Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 046. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, what would you give for the paradise life? What would you pay to have your dreams come true? What would you give if your fulfilled dream you had in mind turned out a thousand times better than you imagined? Sometimes God calls us to things that leave us scratching our heads. Jesus did this often to his disciples. We'll check out one of these stories today where the disciples' obedience leads to change lives forever. I want you to picture in your mind something you have dreamed about. Biggest, boldest dream you've ever had. The kind of thing that, if it, if it actually happened, if it materialized, it would be like, this is truly dream come true kind of level. Living in bliss. If I could guarantee that that dream came true for you, but it would cost you 10 years of your life, would you take it? A couple of people just threw your head around on that one. If, let, let's take it a step further. If I gave you 50-50 odds that that dream could come true, but it would cost you 15 years of your life, would you take it? You go one step further, and I'm going to throw a caveat into this last one, so don't quite shake your heads yet. If I gave you one one thousandth, one out of a thousand odds that that dream was going to come true, but it was going to cost you everything, here's the caveat. But if you landed on that one in a thousand spot, it was going to be 10,000 times better than you can picture in your head. Would you take it? This is going to be a really interesting message, seeing how you guys are responding to this. What would you give for a paradise life, for that dream to come true? Now, what if that wasn't a hypothetical question? Let's pray together. God, work today in in the way only you can. Speak to us through your spirit. Transform us. God, help us. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to continue our, this study that we've been kicking off for the Advent season and getting ready for Christmas, for this big climactic holiday of the, of the, Christian, season, of the Christian year. And the way we're doing this, uh, if you weren't here last week, is we're taking this one character, the wise men, who really had probably the biggest ask of all the characters of the Christmas story, biggest I mean, they had to make the biggest step of faith because they're making a journey over a thousand miles through desert. And that's a big deal to do today. Even bigger deal. Probably took them at least a year to be able to do it. And along the journey, you probably have a lot of time to think because there's not a whole lot of interesting things going on across the desert of the Middle East uh, back then, I'm guessing. And I'm sure they would ask some questions. And the question we're going to dive into today Is it worth it following this star? Especially only having kind of the the words of somebody generations ago to say what this star meant. We don't know how far out it's going to take us. We don't know how long it's going to take. Is it worth it? Is is the cost of following going to pay off in the end? And so the story we're going to use to dive into this question, we're going to break outside of Christmas for our passage to really dive into is the one that I started sharing 
with the kids. Now, there's three versions of Jesus calling the fishermen. We are going to dive into Luke's version. I to keep them all straight in my head. This comes out of Luke 5, verses 1 to 11. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out, and they were washing their nets. They got, Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish, their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, both so they were about to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. So they were also... So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they had brought the boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So, too bad the wise men didn't have this passage to dive into. But they were probably asked just as big a task to follow this star as Simon, Peter, James, and John are asked to follow Jesus. So what can we glean about following, particularly when it comes to following Jesus? Well, I'm not going to give you the Sunday school answers, especially as we dive into this first one. So we're just going to go push right off into the deep end, as Jesus tells Peter to do. Sometimes following Jesus just makes no sense. I mean, there are sometimes that Jesus calls us to do things, both within Scripture, and, we, and even though we get to see the end of the story, or today, that you just shake your head and go, what? You want me to talk to who? You want me to, you want me to do what? It's all the more, one of the more in-your-face points of this story as Jesus is talking to Peter. Now, Peter and his crew, they're fishermen. Okay? They're not lawyers, they're not PhDs, but if there's one thing these guys know well, it's fishing. So to put down the nets in the day, for a fisherman as, wise, as smart as Peter, as craft smart as Peter was, Peter would go, what you want me to do? I mean, there's a reason they were out fishing all night long, as Peter says. Because that's where the take of fish are. When you catch them, is at night. There's a reason they are tired and worn out as they're back washing their nets and, and mending their nets, which is a part of what they did after their night out on the, on the lake. They had been out all night fishing, and they were disparaged because they basically all their work for naught, if you will. And Jesus takes these two ideas that these professionals know, like down to their bones, and he throws them out the window. He says, guys, I know it's daytime. I know you're tired. 
I know we are currently in this inlet that normally is not going to have any fish at all. But put your nets down. Makes no sense. Until they see the hull that almost sinks two boats. I would have a similar scenario like this when I was working as a technician. You know, the third rule of fixing a computer, the third step of troubleshooting it is to restart the computer. There's your tech lesson for the week. I won't tell you what the first two were, because those are not the most pastoral things to say. So many times, I'd get the call from a frustrated user who was smart enough to know, restart the computer, restart the computer, and they did it a hundred times before they called me up. First words out of my mouth, step one, step two, then restart the computer. They did it a hundred times, makes no sense. Until they do it the 101st time while I'm on the phone with them and it works. Sometimes it just makes no sense. And it can make just as little sense today. You want me to teach Sunday school? What? You want me to volunteer at the food kitchen? Are you kidding me? Until you see, it makes no sense until you see what the hall looks like. We'll get into that in a little bit. What else can we glean from this idea of following? Sometimes following means leaving. And this is where it starts to get a little bit scary. Because leaving usually means leaving something that we're comfortable with. A couple of ways this can be. I will speak from experience. Is it comfortable to leave Chicago to come to a town of 9,000 people? There, there's, if you don't know, there are a lot of people in Chicago. No, it's not. Is it comfortable to give up being an anonymous person to take on a role as a leader? No, it's not. It's many things, but comfortable is usually not one of them. Is it comfortable to help somebody out that you don't even know? Especially if you don't even know if they're going to thank you or spit in your face for what you do for them? No, it's not comfortable. And there are a hundred other ways that it can, that Christianity can be not comfortable. Jesus, in this, own, in this very story, tells these men who were professional fishermen, maybe even for generations, leave what you know and come follow me. They dropped their nets and followed him. It begs yet one more question. And, and I, I'm probably making Christianity look like this horrible thing. And so I'm going to ask the question that's probably starting to stir in people's minds. Why would a loving God make, some, make the lives of his children uncomfortable in order to serve him, in order to follow him? Why couldn't we have a, a win-win situation? We follow Jesus we get to stay comfortable? I mean, that's win-win. We get the comfort, Jesus gets the followers. What's wrong with that? Probably a couple different things, but I'm going to zone in on one. This is, this is where I'm going to go. If we are allowed to be comfortable doing, following Jesus, there's a real good chance we're going to try and fulfill the mission on our own strength on our own smarts. And the fact is, as much as I hate to admit it, human smarts, 
human strength, human willpower, eventually it has a limit. Now, maybe each of us were nowhere near where that limit is, but the fact is it has a limit. And when we look at some of the things that God will call us to do, just like he called those fishermen to do, you look at it and you think, there is no way possible on my strength, on my willpower, on my bravery or machismo or whatever that I can do this. And when we get that, when we realize I'm uncomfortable here, I'm like on the edge of the, of the cliff in my own limits and abilities, all of a sudden it gets us to start thinking about hanging on to the strength and the smarts and the whatever of somebody else who, who does have that strength. And isn't it a fitting part of the story that the one calling us to follow him has strength, smarts, all that stuff, without limits. So being uncomfortable forces us to to hang on closer to Jesus. And Jesus is like, I am totally good with that. What else? We can glean that there is kind of a, a, a bit of a linear process to how following works. And you know what? Sometimes the blessings come after the obedience. Now, I'm kind of limited on the words to use, so this is the best way I can put it into one phrase. Because I'm not trying to say that we earn blessings. You know, obeying does not make us deserve blessings. But I want you to see kind of the two crowds that are happening, that are in this scene. You have the people who are on the shore. You know, Jesus pushed off into the water so he could teach the crowds. You know, water would help amplify his voice and everything like that. So there are still some people that are on the, the shore listening to Jesus. And they're the ones who get to be comfortable. They get, as this scene is going on, they get to see a miracle happen. Maybe they're, you know, getting some chips with the fish that Peter caught the night previous or something like that, and they're chowing down, and they're getting to watch the show. And when the show is over, they get to go home and live their lives. Maybe they tell somebody as they're, they're walking back to their, to their huts, hey, did you hear about the miracle I saw on the, you know, the shores of Gennesaret? But 24, 48 hours later, they're just kind of back to the way things were. Then you get the second group. The group of guys that's, that are out on the boats. And they're called to anything but comfort. I mean, they're called in front of all these people that probably know fishing pretty well as well. And know you don't drop the nets during the day in an inlet when you're tired. So they're going to kind of look like fools. At least of their problems. But they put those nets down. Against all odds, against all common sense for a fisherman... But when they pull up that hall, I guarantee their lives were not the same when they rode up to that shore. Whether they followed Jesus or not, they were going to be, their lives were going to be changed by that event. That they weren't comfortable. And so they got to experience that blessing, experience that miracle front and center because they were the ones who obeyed. Let's put it into a modern day example. Because, well, maybe not all of us are fishermen. 
But many of us, well, you'll, many of us might be able to relate to this. Public marriage proposal. You got two crowds. Drop this into a restaurant. Drop this into you know, whatever kind of setting you want. Now, which one? You have those who see it, and you have those who participate in it. Now, imagine it as those who see it. And they look at the scene. They see, well, they see a guy doing this. All it takes is starting to do this, and, and, and oh, isn't that sweet? Don't they look beautiful? And then they carry on with their dinner or their shopping or whatever, you know, whatever the context is. And then you got the other person. The one who is probably shaking in their boots while they are like, this floor better hold me up while I go down and I better not fall. They hear the love of their life. Answer them, yes. Now, which group is going to have their lives changed more for good? Those who go, aw, isn't that sweet, and go on their day? Or the one or two who go, yes! <laughs> Unbelievable, she said yes! That weekend, we put it on the Jumbotron at Comiskey Park. It was such a big deal. I can't pump my fist hard enough. I should have put the picture up. It's in my office if anybody wants to see it. Slightly different than... Oh, isn't that nice? Sometimes, to get the blessing, you got to step out. You got to make the move. You got to obey. And then the blessing comes in a life changing way. Now, final question I'm going to ask Is it worth it? Now, I'm going back to the Jesus story. I'm, I'm done with the marriage proposal thing. So let's. <laughs> Whole different series on that one. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my, the math equation out of my introduction. So I know some of you guys are teachers, and some of you are engineers, so maybe you guys can help me out here. If you've got that thousand to one odds on, on whatever dream you have, whatever bet you're going to make, and you put it all on the line, and you win. Here's the math question. Is that a good day? That's a world-rocking, life-changing good day. If you... The nice thing is, we know who this baby is that these wise men are, fo- are following after. We know who is telling Peter and James and John and Andrew... Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We know where the story goes. We know who that baby is. We know that the one who says, yes, I will follow, gains eternity. So what's the one area of life where follow me is a tough pill to swallow for you? Wherever that is, whatever that is, That's the cue for your next step this week. To think, what does it take for me to just follow in just this one area? We'll start off in baby steps here. 
Because if you learn to follow in that small area, whatever it is for you, and it's going to vary for all of us, and you start to see those blessings that come after obedience. When you say, I'm scared to, to talk to this person, to say hi to this person, you know, e- easier to think of it in when I'm talking about talking to students. And maybe there's the unpopular kid in class. And a student, imagine, I mean, it takes a lot of bravery for a sixth grader to go up to the unpopular kid and say, hey, you want to have lunch with me? I mean, that takes guts. But let's say they do it. And it ends up becoming, like, they meet, because of that, the coolest kid in the class. Just happened, but they had to take that step to do it. I'm sure there's a, the similar situations for all of us, that we get uncomfortable. We're, we're called to follow in some way that just puts us outside of our nice, cozy comfort zone. Yet we do it. We step out. We obey. And we see the blessing out of it. It comes back to us as something good. Maybe that's just, you smile at somebody and they smile back. I mean, it could be as little as that, but you know what? That can make a day. And as you start to see that, then you start to, to kind of be called to follow in maybe bigger ways. And you start to be able to see through the crazy talk of, the, this makes no sense. Why would I want to do this? How can I do this? Once you see kind of the track record, how it works, all of a sudden it becomes a little easier to keep following. Or a little easier to trust enough to keep following. A little easier, as Jesus tells Peter, to push out into the deep water. Because you know what? That's where the fish are. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.